Hello, Pioneering Today podcast listeners. So on today's episode, we are going to be talking about preserving rhubarb and spring canning. And we're going to talk about preserving rhubarb specifically in three different ways. And spring canning is starting at my house. And so spring, I kind of can all year long different things. But truthfully, from spring and summer, going into the fall is really my busiest time canning. And so from here on out, I'm pretty much canning at least once a week the whole way through, uh, depending upon the season. And so I thought it would be fun to talk about the spring canning that we have going on here and learning to live more frugally and more self-sustainably includes using and eating foods that are in season. So it's a total bonus if you grow it yourself, but it's almost impossible to grow everything yourself. I We don't grow absolutely everything that we eat here on our own homestead. And I think very few people truthfully grow everything themselves. We try to do a good majority of it. And I think that's great. But there's no reason to miss out on certain foods and preserving them just because you don't grow them yourself. Purchasing food as it comes in season is a great way to have fresh local food at a cheaper price. I try to purchase it from a local farmer if I can, if I don't grow it myself or at a farmer's market. But even your grocery store will have lower prices on food that are in season and seasonally. And many times um, I recommend becoming good friends with the produce manager at your grocery store (laughs) because you can ask him when things are coming in, when they're going to go on sale, if they're from a local area or not. And so if you don't have a farmer's market, a CSA, or you're not growing it yourself, I think that's your next best bet. We were actually really lucky this year. We do have rhubarb, but I have a small little patch of rhubarb, so it's not nearly big enough for us. And then we don't grow asparagus. I don't have a bed of asparagus in. It's on my to-do list and definitely on our plan of things that we're going to put in, but it's not something we have now. And so we were really lucky. We have some friends that own a farm over on the east side of the mountains from us in Washington State. And over there, asparagus just kind of grows wild like a weed. And so throughout all of the orchards and even in the ditches, just kind of everywhere. Asparagus just grows there. And so if you know people that have property or don't mind, you can go over and just pick it. So you can just go and harvest asparagus. And so we had a really good friend of ours went over and did that. And he brought us over um, almost 40 pounds, I think it was, of asparagus. And so that is one of my main spring canning projects is canning asparagus and specifically pickled asparagus. My husband and I love pickled asparagus. Oh my goodness. I like it better than regular pickles. I like it better than just regular asparagus. Um, something magic happens when you put asparagus with vinegar and some garlic, I tell you. And if you want that recipe, I have our pickled asparagus recipe up on the website, melissacanorris.com, and you can grab that and it's in the show notes. So May and June are a prime time for rhubarb, and it still is the tail end of asparagus season here. Of course, this is going to depend upon where you live, but in Washington, in the Pacific Northwest, um, you can definitely still get asparagus at a really pretty good deal per pound, usually about $1.99 per pound if you're purchasing it. Um, And we have put up almost 20 quarts of pickled asparagus so far, and I'm hoping to get one more run in this coming week. 
Um, and so you can get the link to that at melissaknorris.com. So any of the things that I'm talking about in today's podcast episode, be it the recipes or tutorials, you can go to melissaknorris.com, click on the podcast button, and this is episode number 56, Preserving Rhubarb and Spring Canning. And then we have full transcription and links and printables and all that fun stuff there that you can get. So I had two bagfuls of rhubarb sitting on my counter from some good friends of ours. I tell you, friends are like gold, especially when they bring you fresh produce. Love that. And rhubarb will store in the fridge for about a week or two, sometimes longer in the crisper drawer. But you'll notice that the ends will become rubbery, and so you'll have to trim the end parts off before you use it. So you will lose some the longer that you store it. And an important note here, if you are new to rhubarb or you're not very familiar with rhubarb, Only the stalks of rhubarb are safe to eat. The leaves of rhubarb are actually poisonous and they should not be consumed. So don't try to eat the leaves in a salad or anything like that. And don't feed them to your animals. They're toxic to to animals as well. Um, So if you have, you know, horses or cattle or chickens or whatever, don't throw that out with things that you would give to them. So just note that don't eat the leaves on your rhubarb. So I was staring at this rhubarb. And it was kind of like it was coming to the point where I had to do something with it or it was going to turn bad. And I hate wasting produce. I really, truly do. So my freezer is already jam-packed. And we're going to be butchering our meat chickens in about eight weeks. And so I don't want to be adding any more things to my freezer right now because I really need the freezer space when we butcher all of the meat chickens. So I didn't want to add any more frozen produce to my existing stores. And I love rhubarb with strawberries, but it's a good probably three weeks before our strawberries are really going to be ready here, becoming ripe. And I still have eight cups of frozen rhubarb that's already designated in my freezer to jam making when the strawberries come on. So when I'm at a loss on what to make or how to preserve things, and I generally like to do most of my preserving canning. We do do some dehydrating, but with rhubarb, I already had some frozen and I didn't want any more in my freezer. And I have one canning book that I know I can turn to that has a ton of recipes and a ton of different ways to can things, which is what I love. So I can look up rhubarb and there's going to be probably like 10 different canning recipes that I can use. And that is the Ball Complete Book of Home Canning. Seriously, if you do not have a copy of that, go and get it right now. And I have a link um, in the show notes on that. It's 30% off right now. And so you can grab the link and get that on sale. It really does have the most recipes of any canning book I've owned. And I have to confess, you guys, I'm kind of an addict to canning books, (laughs) especially ones that are all proven, up-to-date, safe methods. It's a real biggie with me. And there's such a variety in the Ball Complete Book of Home Canning. There's Every kind of fruit, syrup, jam, spread, marmalade, vegetables, meats, combinations. And I really like all the side notes that it has in it with additional info on why we need to take certain steps, why you need to do things a certain way to make the recipe turn out right. Um, And safe ways to alter. You can alter some canning recipes, but you have to know exactly what. Like you can never cut vinegar back on a pickling recipe. Um, If a canning recipe calls for vinegar, you cannot take that and make it an less amount or change the ratios when it's vinegar because it's in there for a safety measure because of the acidity to it. So it tells you when you can alter things in there, which I really love. And speaking of love, rhubarb is really one of my favorite spring foods. It's the perfect balance of tart paired with sweetness when you make it into a dessert. It's like nature's version of sweet tarts. And it's just as addicting. Rhubarb is known to 
for its tongue tantalizing delights and desserts, which one of my favorites is a rhubarb dump cake. And I like it because it takes very little work, but it's totally from scratch. And it's actually one of the only fruit desserts that my dear sweet husband likes and asks me to make. He has a thing for chocolate. And so normally if a dessert is not chocolate based, then he doesn't want it. He's a little bit spoiled and I tell him that frequently. But this is one that he loves. And so I took a rhubarb dump cake recipe that I had gotten from a friend of mine. Actually, I got it when I was a child. I, I tasted it as a kid and I loved it. And it was the very first recipe that I went up the road and asked for and collected. So I have started collecting recipes from a very young age. And I adapted it to use with a homemade from scratch cake mix instead of store-bought. And I've got that recipe up on the blog. And the link is in the show notes of this episode, number 56. And so I also love rhubarb, of course, and strawberry rhubarb jam. And rhubarb pie, rhubarb and blueberry pie. I can't think of a way rhubarb doesn't work in a dessert. And I've even used rhubarb and made it into a barbecue sauce. I kind of have a crush on rhubarb, I think. And there are three main ways that I like to preserve rhubarb because I like to have it all year long. I don't like to be limited to my crush. (laughs) And that is freezing. So to freeze rhubarb is really super simple. Just rinse it off and then dry it, lay it on a a towel and just let it dry, pat it dry, and then just chop it into uniform pieces. It usually about a half an inch is what I do. And then I vacuum pack mine and I usually vacuum pack it in four cup portions because most of my recipes call for four cups of rhubarb. So I just do it to save time. Um, And then you can use frozen rhubarb later to make jams, which is why I have frozen rhubarb right now in my freezer. So you can use it to make things later. And of course, desserts. You can use the frozen fruit to do cakes and pies, um, all that kind of stuff. And so if you're going to be doing a lot of freezing, I do recommend a food vacuum sealer if you don't have one. It really does prolong the life of your food in the freezer. Um, We got one um, two Christmases ago, it was actually a funny story. My husband bought me one for Christmas and I bought him one. <laughs> we ended up taking one back and keeping just one. But it really does make a big difference on the life of your food in the freezer. And then the second way that I like to preserve rhubarb is, of course, rhubarb strawberry jam. So one of my favorites, and I have a link to my rhubarb strawberry jam recipe that you can get. And I really like using with the rhubarb strawberry jam is to use pomona's pectin, which is a natural pectin. So if you don't have a source, rhubarb is not very high in pectin. Um, and so I, when I mix it with the strawberries, because I just think that's like one of the perfect combos with rhubarb, um, is I do use uh, commercial pectin. So pomona's pectin is a natural pectin, and I can't usually find it locally. In fact, I usually have to always order it online, and I have a link to that as well. But what's so great about it is it uses calcium water instead of huge amounts of sugar for the set on the jam. So you can use a lot lower amounts of sugar. You can also use honey and other natural sweeteners as a sweetener in your jam, and you can still get a set. So that's why it's one of my favorite. If I'm making a jam that I have to use a commercial pectin in to get a good set on, pomona's pectin is the only one that I use. So I've got a link to that for you as well in the show notes. And then today, so when I went and pulled open my little book, I knew I was going to be making my jam later. So I didn't want to freeze it and I didn't want to make jam because my strawberries are not on. And I thought, what am I going to do with all this rhubarb? I cannot let it go to waste in good conscience. And I can't put it in the freezer. So I opened up my ball book of canning and I decided to can my rhubarb in a syrup. And This way I can use it to still, I can still make salsa with it. I can make sauces with it. I can drain it and use it in all kinds of desserts. And it's totally shelf stable for me on 
which I love, which is one of the reasons I love canning. And it was really super fast and easy to do, which is another big deal for me with canning. So how to can rhubarb and syrup. And I actually have two ways for you to do it. The first steps are the same, and then you can either water bath can it, which rhubarb is safe to water bath can, or you can pressure can it. And I actually did it both ways. And pressure canning for me was just fast, faster, so I will pressure can it next time. Um, that'll be my go-to method. So what you want to do is you want eight cups of chopped rhubarb, and you want to chop out about an inch, one-inch pieces, which are a little bit on the larger side because we are canning it. That way it doesn't get too mushy if it's really small. So you're going to rinse and pat dry your rhubarb stalks, chop it into one inch pieces, and then you're going to put it in a big bowl and you're going to sprinkle one cup of sugar onto the chopped rhubarb. And then you're going to stir that up so that the sugar is coating all of the rhubarb. Then you're just going to cover that bowl with a tea towel or any kind of towel that you have and let it sit out for four hours. And so what happens is, is the sugar will pull the juices out from the rhubarb stalks and it creates this lovely syrup all by itself without you doing anything. And I also like it because then I don't have to add extra water to it. So if you're, um, I know part of the country is in water shortage actually down in California. So if you're having to watch your water, then this is a great recipe for that. But the other reason I love it is because all of those juices that it's pulling out of the rhubarb, instead of it being watered down with a regular sugar water syrup, it has more essence of the rhubarb. And you know, I said I had a crush on rhubarb. So it has this, the syrup has a more rhubarbery flavor. I think I just totally invented a new word there. <laughs> um, so it, after four hours, it will all seep out and you'll get this nice amount of juice. So then you want to wash four pints. So this, this makes four pints and you can totally double it or triple it if you have a large enough canner and that much rhubarb on hand. So you're going to wash four pints in warm soapy water and rinse them out. And then if you're doing the water bath method, at this point, you want to go ahead and fill your water bath up with water and start to heat it. And then the second thing that you want to do is you want to fill a kettle with a few cups of water and bring that to a boil. And this is your reserve just in case it didn't create enough syrup when the sugar was pulling the juices out. So then you're going to dump your rhubarb and all that lovely syrup that it's created into a decent sized pot. Bring it to a boil, but only boil it for 30 seconds. And you want to stir it because you don't want that sugar to burn on the bottom. Then take it off the heat and using a ladle. And I like to use a canning funnel. It's one of my... Um, I am a mess when I cook and can and a canning funnel helps me keep things a lot cleaner and less sticky in my kitchen. So you're going to ladle two cups of the rhubarb into each pint jar with a generous half inch head space. And then you're going to take your syrup and then you're, and you're going to pour it over the rhubarb and the syrup. I wanted to divide it evenly between the four jars and so I did about each jar halfway full with the syrup to make sure that I had enough syrup to at least put half in all of the jars. And I ended up with more, but that way I made sure that I had at least a half amount of the syrup in the jar. And then you, as long as you have enough syrup, go ahead and pour it up to a half inch headspace. Then you want to take your spatula or spoon or knife and run it around the inside of the rim, but the outside of the rhubarb. And this removes any air bubbles. And then you're usually after you do this, you're going to have to add more syrup in. So if you don't have any more syrup, this is one instance where it's safe to add boiling water to top off each of your jar to the half inch head space. That's why we had the kettle boiling beforehand. And then you want to just wipe, wipe clean the rim of your jar, put your lids on and screw your bands down. And then you're going to place it on the rack and immerse it in your water bath canner. And bring the canner up to a boil. And once the water is boiling with at least one to two inches of 
water over top of your jars. Then you're going to start your timer and you're going to process the pints for 10 minutes with the lid on. After 10 minutes, take your lid off, turn off the burner and let it sit for about five minutes and then transfer the jars onto a towel that's folded in thirds. You don't ever want your hot jars to touch a cold surface because it can shatter. Um, and then you let the jars cool for at least 12 hours without moving them and then check the seals. And as long as they're all sealed, then go ahead and put those babies on the pantry shelf until you're ready to use them. Now, if you want to pressure can your rhubarb, which for me, my pressure canner, I just use way more than my water bath canner because it uses a lot less water and it's just faster for me. It heats up faster and I'm done faster, which if you haven't noticed, I really like things to be quick and fast in the kitchen. <laughs> so you want to follow the above recipe that I was talking about. And like I said, I have this all in the show notes transcript. You can go back and read it through step three. And then you're going to put your rack in your pressure canner and add the specified amount of water. Mine uses a quart and a half. And then you put your jars on the rack and allow the pressure canner, put the lid on and then turn it on high and let it, once steam comes out of the pressure vent for 10 minutes, then you put your five pounds of pressure on and process both your pint and quart size jars. You can do it either way for just five minutes at five pounds of pressure. And then when they're done... It's really normal for the rhubarb to float to the top of the jar, so don't worry. Because when you first put them in, the rhubarb, of course, was all down. But then as it seals and the vacuum lock happens, the rhubarb is up towards the top of the jar. So it's normal. Don't worry about that. And then I use it in pies, desserts, cakes, muffins, anything. You can keep the syrup in it if you wanted to do it in a pie or drain it out, however you want to use it then you are good to go. And if you've never had rhubarb, oh my goodness, you have to go get some because it's going to be your new favorite just like it is mine. And so now we're going to move into our verse of the week. And this week, I've actually been pondering this verse probably for about five days now. I keep going back to it. Luke 11, verse 34. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are good, your whole body is also full of light. But when they are bad, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be completely lighted as when the light of a lamp shines on you. That actually was um, verse 34 through 36. But the way that I read that, and I've really just been sitting and pondering that, is when your eyes are good, and I think that is how we view the world. You know, you've, I've, we've all heard when the cup is half full or half empty, how we view things. When your eyes are bad, your body is also full of darkness. And so I think that means that when we choose to focus on the things that are wrong in the world and the bad things, the things that aren't going in our life like we want to, and we sit and ponder on all the negative, then darkness starts to come into us. Our attitude is bad, our outlook. And when we choose to focus on Jesus and the good gifts that he's given us in any situation, on the things, his, his dying for us, his salvation, the hope that he gives us, the mercy that he shows us, the grace of his presence in our lives, then we are full of light, of his light. And that's how I want my life to be, is I want to focus on the good and I want to be full of his light all the time and I don't want any darkness. So I hope that you, that that verse helps you if you're in a situation, it can be so easy to let the darkness sneak in even when we're not realizing it and so that's a verse that I've been reading every morning for the past five days as a reminder to myself to look for the good and to only see the good and focus on the good so thank you so much for listening and I hope you tune in next time 
And don't forget, if you have not signed up yet, I have a complete home preservation guide that has over 125 tutorials, resources, and recipes on how to preserve food at home. So you can grab your copy of that with instant access at melissaknorris.com podcast episode number 56.